0: You're listening to the Tepis Paranormal Talking Point Podcast, a show that discusses various aspects of the paranormal world, with paranormal news, ghost stories, interviews, and much more. And without further ado, let's get into some talking points. Hi guys, Scott here from Tepis Paranormal, and welcome back to another episode of the Tepis Paranormal Talking Point Podcast. Today my guest is Jeff Belanger, a paranormal researcher, folklorist and author who has also worked on every episode of Ghost Adventures. Jeff also has his own podcast and is one of the most well-known names within the paranormal community. I had a chance to sit down with Jeff and ask him his views on a number of different paranormal things, discuss a number of projects he's worked on and generally talk to him about his views on the paranormal. So a big thank you to Jeff for joining me for this interview and I hope you enjoy. So, thanks for joining me, Jeff.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, from a bit of research I've done, you're described online in a lot of different ways. Uh, A folklorist, an author, an adventurer, a paranormal researcher. Uh, The one that really stood out for me the most was Legend Tripper. Yeah. Uh, Could you tell me a little bit about that and what it means? Sure.
1: So... uh... If you've ever seen any paranormal investigation show ever in the history of the universe, from the first one to the most recent, uh, it starts with legend tripping. Mm-hmm. Someone heard a story that they thought was interesting enough that they wanted to go check it out. So uh, most in folklore studies, mostly uh, you know, when you're a kid, uh, you know, I remember when I was growing up, there was this one grave across the street from where my friend lived. He lived across from a cemetery, and it was a a monument above ground, like a crypt. And the story was that if you knocked on it three times at midnight, a witch would jump out. And so we would have sleepovers, you know, and um, of course it's like uh, almost quarter of a midnight or so. And you look at each other and you go, should we go try it? And your logical brain says, I don't expect a witch to jump out if I knock three times, but there's a part of you that's truly afraid that she might and so we sneak over there in the middle of the boneyard in the middle of the night and it's just you know everybody's watching their watch and it just strikes midnight and then of course someone knocks three times and then you go racing back to your friend's house and the witch may have jumped out would have no way no way of knowing because we were so far gone yeah. <laughs> you know we just we just raced home and so that's legend tripping now uh you could hear a building is haunted an old castle or something like that And you go there and you might take it to another level, which would be like the next step would be paranormal investigation or, or bring in a medium or whatever, but it starts with a story. And when I say legend, that doesn't mean I think it's fiction per se. It just means that the story precedes it, that the legend precedes it and is bigger than the building itself, the history itself, the person itself, and so on.
0: Cool. Um, So in terms of the paranormal, what? are your beliefs you know do you believe in ghosts do you believe in cryptids things like that so,
1: so this is this is um this is my favorite part of the paranormal is that it allows us to have discussions that are as old as time right and so uh what you're asking is what is reality right and and that's that's um and the best answer i've ever heard to that question Is perception is reality. So if I look up in the sky and I see a a round craft with lights flashing about and it's darting all across the sky, the best I can give you is that I believe that's a UFO. It is unidentified, it is flying, it is an object. I don't believe we're alone in the universe. So is that from some distant galaxy? Maybe, right? Um, I believe in ghosts because I've had experiences I can't explain with any other word to you, although exactly what they are, I can't say. I don't know, right? I mean, I just know that I've perceived them, and as have others. Cryptids as well. I've I've never seen Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster or, or Lake Monsters or anything like that, but I've talked to people who have. They don't seem cr- crazy. And not only that, when someone sees like a, a cryptid creature, It's usually the narrative is so similar, right? I was in the woods. I'm a hunter. I've I've been in these woods my whole life. I know every single creature in here from skunks to deer to, you know, everything else. And suddenly this thing walked by that just didn't belong. And so, yes, I believe in all of the above what they are. Well, that the jury is still out. Cool.
0: So I know you said, obviously, you believe in ghosts because you've had experiences Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had an experience in the Paris Catacombs Museum. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so that was my first where well, I would say like bona fide ghost experience, and that was two thousand and three and I had been writing about ghosts at that point for like six or seven years um and and I started in all this as a journalist, as a newspaper reporter and I I interviewed people and I didn't think they were lying to me. Some may have been, right? Or some might have just been confused or delusional. But I thought for the most part, people were very genuine. And I would take the position that like, well, I believe that you believe. But when you have your own experience, it sort of changes you. You lose some of that objectivity. So I was down there alone because no one would go with me. <laughs> and um, uh, there was nobody there that day. It was just me walking around down there below the city where there's just millions of human bones that have been stacked up in this very macabre and intricate pattern. And as I was walking down this long hallway, that was no wider than, you know, fingertip to fingertip on Mm -hmm. either side, I saw what looked like a man step out from one side and go to the other and then come back. And I froze because I said, okay, wait a minute, you know, no one, no one came from behind me, they would have literally bumped into me. And then I thought, okay, is there a side tunnel up there? And I, I missed it and someone's down here, but nope, there's no side tunnel. It's just a long straightaway all the way to the end. And I went, okay, this must be what they're talking about. I don't consider myself psychic or sensitive or otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this thing just happened. And the analogy I've used is that it's kind of like a lightning strike. We know lightning strikes the earth many, many times a day all over the planet, but not usually right next to where we're standing. Yeah. And if it does strike right next to where you're standing, you will never ever forget it the rest of your life. And so uh so I believe it happens. It's it's rare but not that rare and that day I was I was there to see it. And I've been back since and I'm going back again in June uh this year I'll be going back for a third time. And I will go right back to that same spot. The second time I went there I can tell you nothing happened, <laughs> you know? And and the third time who knows? We'll see.
0: Yeah, I think seeing a, you know, a full apparition from stories I've heard is Quite rare, sort of in the sense of you know what people tend to share. It tends to be lesser things, you know, footsteps, uh, voices, things like that. I think the actual full-bodied apparition, or at least from people I've spoken to, tends to be a rarer thing to see. But obviously, is one of the sure. more physically impressive when you see it.
1: So, in my experience, interviewing thousands of people that have had mm-hmm. this this encounter of some kind um there's there's a whole spectrum and it affects really all of the human senses uh sometimes it's a smell like you know you smell grandma's perfume or or grandpa's you know cigar or whatever uh or it's a feeling you just you sense someone there or you hear something um seeing something i think is a little more rare and taste that's a tricky one i don't know about ghostly tastes but you know i'd take someone's word for it i guess um so so really no human sense is uh uh is ruled out when you when you talk about this experience. Um but yeah, that's the big one. When you see something that just doesn't fit.
0: Cool. So other than the Paris catacombs, are there any other locations around the world that you're, you know, really interested in or that you've been to that you really want to go back to?
1: Oh yeah. Um, so many. Uh, well, not too far from you. I had the chance to go to the, uh, the tower of London after hours, uh, as a guest of one of the yeoman Warders. It was amazing. I would interviewed him for one of my books and I said, oh, I'm going to be over in London. And he said, well, come see the changing of the keys ceremony and you can have a drink in the pub and stuff. And I went, oh, that was amazing. So I got to see the whole thing happen. And, uh, someone had told me that when the changing of the keys ceremony happens, uh, that everybody's, you know, your, your eyes are supposed to be front, God save the queen at the time, uh, and and so on. But someone said, you know, uh, uh, the ghost of Anne Boleyn, the headless ghost of Anne Boleyn is sometimes seen by the edge of the Thames behind that whole thing. And so there's maybe 20 or 30 of us all watching this changing of the keys ceremony at night. And th- I'm the only dumb American that's looking the other way because if her ghost is behind me. I don't want to miss that. Right. Like, yeah, what a what a missed opportunity. Uh, I didn't see her. But I'll tell you this, you know, speaking to some of the yeoman warders in the pub, it was incredible. Those guys all have stories, all of them. And they're just matter of fact, they just, you know, um, in their chapel, they have these these chairs that have kneelers so that your kneeler is in the, chair, the back of the chair in front of you. So you put it down and you kneel on it, you know, for church. And he said um, the woman that cleans the place was telling him that she had put all the kneelers back up for the next day's service and one by one they just started coming down thunk 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 and you just i mean you can only imagine. and when you stand there and you hear the story and you look at that you go yep I'd leave you know i mean you just um or just you know ex- you know experiencing strange things seeing things stuff levitating and that's just part of the job mm-hmm. and these guys are military officers you know and and they've been military officers for i believe 20 years is the minimum before you're even eligible for for that post um so, so yeah. you know just incredible stories and uh, i've been to the white house in washington dc and some of their staff have their experiences and stories to share and i just love these buildings that have got so much history to them that everybody knows but the insiders have stories to share and and those are some of my yeah. favorite haunts
0: cool so you mentioned the white house um i recently watched your ted talk that you did yeah. which was obviously you discussed the white house in that um, one of the things from that TED Talk was the, I think it was the overall title and obviously the quote you put in at the end about how history is a ghost story, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was just a really sort of interesting quote and, you know, sums, sort of up, sums up the paranormal quite well, I think, from a sort of why people are interested in it and why it's popular perspective. Because I think, you know, it is difficult, like you say, to separate ghost stories from history because obviously they are oh, so yeah. intertwined.
1: Yeah, you can. not And I, another analogy I've used is that um one of the things that frustrates me is when someone's just into the ghosts, but not into the history, because I don't think you can have one without the other. And the example I use is, imagine if you go to see a play in a theater and the curtain opens and the play, the, the stage is completely black. There's no props. There's nothing. And the actors come out and they're dressed completely in black, you know, shirts and pants and that's it. And they trousers forgive me uh so they they walk out on stage and they start acting and you're saying okay where are we when are we uh is this does this take place in the 1950s does it take place in the future are we in the country are we in the city like what's going on the the, the history is the setting that's the setting that shows yeah. you like oh i see we're in new york city in 1920 i can tell by this and they there's a few clues and the way they're dressed, and and so that helps us to put it into a context because that's what we're connecting to is the past and the whole mm-hmm. unfinished business trope to me is really about us, a living people, not dead ones. The dead, the dead are done, you know, but but we keep them around because we're haunted by maybe a, an unsolved murder or uh, or a tragedy that that took place someplace that we know could happen again or could happen to us. And so we keep the story around and maybe we literally keep the spirit of the people around, uh, because they're still serving us in some way.
0: Cool. Um, in the Ted talk as well, you also mentioned the the sort of when you contact, you know, people and locations and you mentioned the word ghost, it's sort of that reaction from them. How do you find you know, people are to change their view on that. How do you get around that sort of negative stigmatization that they have?
1: So I'm fortunate in that I, I, I work for many different sort of, um, employers. So I work for the travel channel here in the U S when I work on ghost adventures. And I, um, also work for PBS, which is public broadcasting, sort of like the BBC, but, um, completely, um, you know, public funded and well, not completely public funded, but anyway, it's, it's, um, they don't have a lot of money, but but everybody knows them. And um, and then I also write books and I work for newspapers and magazines. So there's always something I can offer you. Even if you don't believe, I don't need you to believe in ghosts. That's that's sort of irrelevant. It's I'm fine with it. If you call and say, I don't believe in any of that. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you have a story there though. You have a, a storied location and history and a reputation that exists whether you like it or not. You know, that's there. And that's the thing I want to check out. However, that being said, different parts of the country in the US, different parts of the world uh, react to the idea of ghosts very differently. So where I live here in New England, sort of near Boston, uh, I think we're more matter of fact about our haunts. We preserve history around here. We keep around old buildings. We take good care of them. Nothing compared to England, by the way. I mean, you know, an old building here is two or three hundred years old and that's just an infant uh, by your standards. But I remember um, I was talking to one of the docents at Ordsel Hall up near Manchester in the UK. And I said, um, you know, hey, is is this place haunted? And he said, like, don't be daft. It's a 700 year old manor house. Of course it's haunted. And I went, yes, forgive me, my ignorant Americanness. I'm so sorry. Uh, I love that. I love that. In other parts mm-hmm. of the US, someone might say, oh, no, no, we don't talk about that, right? It's It's either angels or demons. It's not, there's no such thing as ghosts. It's just God or the devil. Uh, and everything in between, and 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 that's so fascinating to me because the fact that there's a word for ghost <laughs> that we have a term for it means uh, it exists to some extent, and and what do you do about that? Um, so I'm I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. Like I don't, you know, people can have their beliefs. That's completely okay. Uh, some people sort of get it that. Uh, all right, well, this might be a marketing tool for some people. And people will go out of their way to come here if they like haunted places, even though I don't believe in them. Uh someone else might. And fine, whatever your reasons, uh, I've seen it all at this point. You know, I've seen people exploit their ghosts, you know, uh sell them t-shirts you can buy, you know. Uh, we're the most haunted pub in wherever, you know, and um yeah. and and it's become a, a global worldwide phenomenon, whether you believe it or not
0: cool so um obviously you mentioned ghost adventures there during mm-hmm. that uh you are i believe the researcher and one of the writers for ghost yep. adventures and have you been doing that for every episode
1: every one since episode one um cool. it started in 2008 and i had written books about haunted places all over and zach bagans the host uh, and also the producer called me and said hey we know you know haunts all over um would you want to work on this show and i was like oh i've never worked in television i've i've worked on this subject for books and magazines and newspapers and the web and why not tv and so it was just supposed to be eight episodes but then it started to air and it was a hit and yeah. we've been working ever since um this is almost 15 years now which is for for a show to go that long yeah. is really i mean how many tv shows can you name make it 15 years like very few, right? A few Mm -hmm. do, but like very few. And so to be part of something that's been that big, has been really amazing.
0: Cool. So I'm curious, the role of writer for that show, what does that entail? Is that sort of researching the history and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah. So, uh, when we're, I get at this point now, I get told where we're going, we're going to go to this location. And then I start digging in on all the history the very beginning part of the show is produced without apology, right? That's the setup. We have to set the stage. And so uh, I help find people that have had stories that are going to come on and share those experiences. Uh, I give them all the details I can possibly find, any sort of strange history, murders, deaths, and, and so on, where the sightings take place. So when they go there, they know what happened where, or to the best yeah. of our knowledge. Now, once the, once the investigation starts, once the lights go out, then it's just it's reality it's whatever happens happens um and then it becomes you know much more of a traditional like reality show but yeah i work on that beginning part where uh i just give the guys everything i possibly mm-hmm. can find on the haunt and and i know some people i've heard some groups say you know oh i don't want to know anything i just want to go in i don't get that at all uh, i don't understand that it's not my way i mean i'm you know people are free to do what they want obviously but it's just so foreign to my way um that I'm like, well, how do you know what you're picking up on? Isn't something that's with you, not necessarily Mm -hmm. with the location. So I think, you know, the more you know, the better. But that's always been my approach.
0: Cool. So Yeah, I'm quite similar in that I like to know as much as I can about a location before I go there. I know there are other people in my group who are sort of, they'll turn up and they'll find out things as they happen, which I think sometimes it's nice to have a sort of mix of both in a group. Um, And then having, obviously having at least one person that can sort of confirm history and facts as they're sort of, you know, uncovered. Um, Sure. So one of the locations that was in an episode of Ghost Adventures I have visited, which is the Ancient Ram Inn.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. He passed away a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So his daughter runs it now. Uh, We went there last year. And Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously, I think mainly, I think we all said going into it that because it was one of the locations featured in Ghost Adventures, it was sort of a much higher standing than say some of the other locations around, only because it had that sort of, you know, it's the sort of fame factor to it almost. Well, that's exactly
1: what it's not even almost. That's exactly what it is. It becomes more famous. And the more shows that film at a location, like suddenly it's it becomes a thing. Right. And that's and and. The irony is that we started talking about legend tripping, right? What is legend but fame, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're slightly different, but they're in the same arena, you know? Um, So yes, that place gets more famous and you, and, and legend tripping really means that you want to become part of the story that you, you heard enough about the ancient Ram in that you said, I actually want to go there. And maybe you struck out, maybe nothing happened. And you went, ah, I think it's all hype or whatever. Or maybe something did happen and you could come home and say, oh, no, no, this is for real. Um, That's that's what it is. Right. You Mm -hmm. went there to 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 trip that legend and find out for yourself. And what did you find? Don't leave me hanging here. We
0: so we had quite a weird experience there um, when we Mm -hmm. first entered the. So later on in the night we did sort of a final sweep before we were leaving uh, and we noticed for the first time that the word demon had been written on one of the mirrors downstairs which Whoa. we sort of we sort of assumed we might have just missed it earlier on in the night it's one of those things of, you know, we don't know if we actually looked into that mirror intently enough to notice it um, and then we went upstairs and then when we came back downstairs the word had been wiped out and it's sort of a I know it was none of us because we were all together the entire time. Uh, And I know there's no one else here. So at that point, what else can it be? Which is, you know, that's the point we got to. And it's like, hang on. So that, you know, it's something I definitely can't explain. Therefore, in my mind, it has to be paranormal because logic's essentially gone out the window with it.
1: Well, right. That's the thing, right? And that's when you you go to any location. I'm always, if something weird happens, I want to figure it out. I mean, maybe you know, maybe, oh, did you did you bump up against that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You bump the table and it knocked that and, you know, you figure it out. Um, it's when you can't figure it out that things get really fun. That's yeah. the best part.
0: Um, in terms of your sort of personal paranormal history, what would you say is your earliest memory of the paranormal?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, so I growing up where I did, uh, I had friends who said their houses were haunted, you know, and um, mine was not. Mine wasn't that old, but I had friends that that said theirs were. And I was really intrigued and also I grew up in the town next to Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you've seen any of the conjuring movies. Mm -hmm. And so back then, back in the eighties, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren were very much like local celebrities. They were not internationally renowned, although they would have told you they were, uh, but you know, sure. They've, they've been to other countries and they've done media and stuff, but they're way more famous today than they ever were when they were alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in October, we would go see them speak. They would share their stories and their evidence and so on. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like how intriguing that they get to go actually look for this stuff. And I was also, I was raised Roman Catholic, which I feel like I should mention that. It seems pertinent, you know, Um, where you really, in Catholicism, we've got so much stuff. My goodness, you've got God and the devil and you've got angels and demons and you've got Saints and sinners, and you've got purgatory, and what even is purgatory, right? so you've got this whole spectrum, and so ghosts sort of fell in there somewhere anyway, you know what i mean um they're 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 somewhere on the on that spectrum, and um i I sort of was just intrigued by the notion because I wanted something more than just being told that it's all there mm-hmm. and just pray and it'll be revealed to you uh I prayed, and it wasn't being revealed to me the way I kind of expected it to and as I got older and I got more interested in the subject and started writing about it and I got to go on ghost investigations and go out to like old buildings late at night and so on like I got that ooey gooey feeling this like holy cow you know this is really something interesting mm-hmm. uh it just felt so much more tangible than sitting in a church pew so it was really like I you know I remember um, you know losing grandparents. When they, when I was very young and feeling like, wow, is it over? Or does that connection sort of go on? And, and I remember needing them, you know, I, I I felt like I still needed them. And, um, and, and that, I just didn't believe that connection sort of ended. I remember seeing the, my grandfather in a casket, uh, he had died of old age. You know, it's, it's going to happen to all of us, but it still, it hurts when, when it happens and you you lose someone that you love. And I remember looking at him and thinking, wow, it doesn't look like him. You know, I mean of course it, it was him but that thing that made him who he yeah. was was gone. Yeah. It was missing. That's sort all. Of... And so the yeah, yeah, the life, the essence, mm-hmm. the, the, the who the who a person is. And and I I I think ever since then I've sort of been chasing that. You know, like let me let me see it again, let me find it. And I think that's a big part of what drives me.
0: Cool. Um so obviously you said you were in the sort of neighboring town to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um mm-hmm. The Annabelle doll, I believe you had a (laughs) chance to meet the Annabelle doll sort of, I guess, almost before it became a cultural phenomenon. Way
1: Way before. Way, way before. Yeah. So uh, Annabelle, I've met Annabelle in, I don't know, 1985, you know, something like that. Uh, Maybe, yeah, mid 80s or so. Mm -hmm. And I was completely freaked out because, first of all, Ed told me the story in his basement, you know, museum right in front of annabelle was just inches away from me and uh and what scared me the most is that my sister had the same exact doll back home on her bed because annabelle is a raggedy mm-hmm. ann doll which was a, a i don't know if you did you get raggedy ann over in the uk
0: i think we did yeah i think they were sort of yeah so
1: yeah. It, yeah it was obsc- it wasn't even th- that huge here but it was big enough right mm-hmm. that that uh, people had the doll and my sister had the same damn doll. So the real Annabelle doll is just this raggedy and doll that you could get at any store for not too many dollars. Not, not very expensive. And, but it's the way Ed told the story, um, where you look at it and you go, ah, I don't believe in this, but shoot someone else did enough, you know, that the things behind glass now and people are petrified of it. And she got her own movie. My goodness. She got her own movie deal eventually. Uh, and so when you see it in the movie, um, of course, that's nothing like what the actual doll looked like. Mm-hmm. Nobody would cuddle with that doll in the movie. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, no, um, it, it lacks that sort of, like you say, the doll in the movie lacks that sort of personal feel, that sort of this could just be in your house as an object that, you know, kids play with. Whereas the one in the movie is very much a. this is an object that no one's going to go near. It's horrible.
1: So that's and that comes down to an interesting point about sort of like narrative and stuff like that. Right. So uh, I I got really fascinated in the past year with the devil. Right. Just studying the origins of the devil and and the way different cultures have dealt with it. And um, most of what we think we know about what the devil looks like and where he lives and all that other stuff really comes from artists commissioned by the church, you know, and, and, you know, many, many, many centuries after the Bible was written because the devil became useful to the church. And so making him more popular and he's like, you know, like the, the wings and the horns and the fire and the rah, right? Like scary, frightening, horrid things. And I'm just like, I don't think the devil would look like that. Cause if you saw that thing coming a mile away, you'd run, right. Yeah. You'd, you'd know to stay away from that. Uh, the devil is going to be charming. The devil is going to wear a nice suit or a nice dress yeah. and, uh, and look very attractive. And, um, that's way more evil than something that's just like i just want to kill Rah! you know you're like ah oh, come on i know to run from that
0: yeah the, um, the devil's not going to like it look like a sort of generic monster because no, it's not going to so be fun. able to achieve it's you know it needs to be seductive and suave yeah. and yeah inviting almost
1: and and then uh and the other thing too that happens when you get into this this work right is now people start you mentioned it before demon right and i've always struggled with that like as soon as you say demon, you're now really deep into a belief system, right? Where um you you know like I mean was Hitler a demon? I mean or was he just a really bad person, misguided, you know? Um you know, Jack the Ripper, right? Demon or just broken serial killer, you know? Um so yeah. I I I understand that we need these labels. But when you, especially as a, an investigative group, especially when you go into someone's home, you know, where they live, and you say, Oh, I think you've got a demon. We've got to run. We're going to go back home. And good luck with this. <laughs> you're like, what well, yeah. you can't do anything with a demon. You can't negotiate, right? You can't, if it's a person, you're like, mm-hmm. all right, I, I'm a person. You're it was a person. So I, I can sort of understand how I might feel if I were in your ghostly shoes. But um, but demon you know now now we're into like now we need holy water and stuff and what if yeah. the demons like not catholic or you know then what
0: yeah I I think the i think the sort of religious side of it there as well that like you say sort of sways the interpretation of it so yeah. let's say if you say it's a demon and you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in religion or you know is atheist or something like that they're going to see that a lot differently to if you're talking to a devout catholic and you say that it's a demon and it's right. You're gonna thing.
1: scare somebody who, who doesn't. I mean, like there's what do I do? Do I move? Do I need to leave my home? You know, I mean, that's um that's a tough one. And how do you know anyway? Right? Like, how do you know? Um, and and so these are these are some of the questions. And and by the way, again, what I love about this subject is it forces some deep thinking if you allow it to, right? If you allow it to go below the surface, you really can have some amazing discussions about reality and religion and belief and power and 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 good and bad and everything in between
0: cool um so going back to ghost adventures briefly are there any sort of Mm -hmm. moments or locations uh from ghost adventures that you're particularly proud of
1: yeah there was a a place we were the first to film there a lot of others have been there since but it's called penhurst state school yeah and it's right outside of philadelphia here in the united states and um Uh, Pennhurst was a, uh, it was an asylum for, for people with, you know, mental disabilities. Like there's so many everywhere. Right. And, uh, like so many others it got overcrowded and, and so on. Now, when we first got there, I, I remember thinking like, all right, abandoned asylum. I know what to do. We've done tons of these like this. I got it. But as I started to go deeper, um, it turns out we have a federal law here on how you can and can't treat people with mental disabilities because of atrocities that took place there specifically. And I know it's not unique, but I mean, it was so bad that laws were changed. Yeah. And these, these atrocities took place in the 1970s, 1970s, like not 1800s, not 1700s, 1970s. And so you're like, how can this be? And the conditions were so terrible. And so we got to speak to former doctors and nurses and patients and when you learned about the conditions in there you're like if you if you heard that someone was treating like dogs like canines the way that these human beings were we would lynch them we would find trees and we would hang ropes and nobody would apologize for lynching everybody involved these were human beings that were being kept in sometimes yeah. dog kennels or chained into beds and and uh you know soiling themselves because they can't get out of bed and use a bathroom it, it's awful and so that building f- was haunted because I guess it should be haunted and I felt like we could expose this really horrible thing that happened because sometimes that's what a a haunting does right is it forces mm-hmm. us to look in the mirror and get a little bit uncomfortable about what we see looking back at us and maybe if that works if all things work properly maybe there won't ever be another Penhurst and we can sort of do our part to say like this isn't how we treat people um this is why it's haunted this is why these horrible things happened let's 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 not let this happen again. and so i felt like that one was was just big, like really morally big in addition to being a giant spooky place.
0: so for those um obviously for the ghost adventure stuff do you go to the locations as well? are you sort of also there with them?
1: sometimes. um quite often i i i just do my research remotely. Mm-hmm. um but sometimes there's been a few few episodes i've been on, a few specials yes. um the series, i often had to go ahead of time and sort of scout everything out and make sure we had all the elements that we needed um from people yeah. to places and stuff like that so um so yeah so sometimes i get to go and scout but but often it's uh, it's you know just phone and internet and things mm. like that
0: of course um so were you a part of the original documentary as well or were you like tv exclusive
1: yeah, no, they had made the documentary on their own. I wasn't part of that. Um, and then the documentary became kind of like their pilot episode. Yeah. And once it went to series, then I got involved with the the first episode. So, yeah, I didn't get to work on the uh, the documentary.
0: Cool. Um. So, obviously, now the paranormal is a very big part of your life. Yeah. When, when you first went into journalism, I take it that was, you know, no connection to the paranormal. That was just sort of a straight up...
1: so i was a features writer yeah Mm -hmm. so being a features guy i i loved october because october we would go look for local haunted places and interview people that had ghost experiences and find out sometimes the history backed up some of those those experiences and so i i loved those feature stories and the very first thing i did after um you know working as a newspaper is i started a website called ghostvillage.com still around 24 years later Um, And that's where, that's the place where I started putting my writing on the subject because I was working a regular job and I really missed writing. And I, and that was a subject that I loved. And the newspaper that I was writing for in 1997 or so, 98, we had a website. We were one of the first to have a website. And I had an interview with Ed and Lorraine Warren that was in there. And they said, the, the, the company that was running it for us said that page, that interview gets something like 10 times the web traffic of every other page combined. (laughs) And I went, oh, people like this stuff. Uh, And so um, I'm like, well, that newspaper went out of business. And I'm like, why? That article's mine. Let me put it up on my ghost village website. And I did, and then put up other articles. And I said, tell me your experiences. And then people started writing in with their own ghost experiences. And it grew. It grew from six pages to 20 pages to a hundred to thousands of pages of content. And uh, it led to me writing books and it led to me working on ghost adventures and sort of became the foundation of everything. So I always loved the subject. I never thought I would make a living with it one day. And it took Mm -hmm. probably it was around 2004, 2005, where I said, I, this is my job now. I guess this is what I do. And um, I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. I truly love it.
0: Cool. so another question i've got is i guess is the is where you're at now or is you know the paranormal re, you think that younger you would have been able to foresee in any way for yourself
1: no <laughs> no definitely not uh i i didn't i mean i think like any young person i didn't know what i wanted to be i mean i, I liked music and i liked uh you know ghost stories and i liked all kinds of stuff and um I guess I didn't give too much thought about what my job would be. I knew I wanted to be around writing that I knew that, that I think I knew pretty young. I probably knew that by my late teens. Um, but what that, and then, but then at some point you go, Oh, no one can make a living at that. I don't want to starve to death. You know, I mean, I like pizza and beer too much and those cost money. And, and so, um, as I got a little older, um, it started selling out working for an ad agency and working for a software company and so on. um, I I, just, I missed, I, it, it was feeding my wallet, but not my soul. Yeah. And so I missed it. I just really missed it. And so ghost village allowed me to get back to it. And then at some point to be able to transition to just doing that was just, I, I mean, I feel very blessed And if I had to quit tomorrow, it'd be okay. Like I I've, I've stood on the mountain. It was great. Um, but I don't think I have to, I think there's more projects keep coming in and yeah. I've done this long enough now that I've, I've become known for it. And people that are working on things come to me now and it's been great uh it's it's really you know i'm lucky to have that
0: um so i just want to get your sort of views on a couple of individual sort of famous cases and you know famous cryptids things that that sort of famous aspects of the paranormal i guess and just maybe sure. see if i can get a sentence or two about a couple that come to mind um so i think we'll start off bigfoot
1: big <laughs> what can you say about bigfoot you know i mean uh i I sometimes wonder if maybe everything paranormal, ghosts, aliens, cryptids, right? What if all of those things make perfect sense somewhere on the timeline, but not necessarily right now? Ghosts are easy, right? You see a, a soldier from, you know, a Civil War soldier or something, you're like, well, that made perfect sense years ago, but not now. Um, or a woman in Victorian dress, right? You'd be like, okay, she made sense a century ago or, or more, but not not today. Uh, aliens, why do they look so human? Why do they have heads and arms and fingers and stuff? Like, maybe that's what we're going to look like a half a million years from now. I don't know. Uh, Bigfoot, maybe Bigfoot made perfect sense a few million years ago, but not so much now. I don't know. Um, but Bigfoot, yeah, my goodness, um, keeps coming up. And I, and, and I have the same, uh, skeptical questions that lots of other people have. Why don't we find a dead one? how how come we haven't captured one yet how come we haven't shot one yet and and brought the body around i have all those same questions and the only conclusion i can come up with is that bigfoot is way more weird than we uh can possibly understand
0: cool um so on to a haunting now the Velisca axe murder house is one that i have a relatively sort of keen interest in i'd sort of I don't want to say I like the story of it, but, you know, I'm 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 invested in it. It's I find it an interesting both case and then haunting to go with it.
1: Yeah, so Velisca is in the real heartland of America, right? Like it's in Iowa. Um, It's it's this tragic tale where this entire family was was killed, you know, by an axe murderer. And the murderer was never found. Right. I mean, that was uh, he got away with it. And that will haunt, that'll haunt the community forever and ever, right? Because nobody likes someone getting away with murder. It doesn't matter that it was, you know, over a century ago, it makes no difference. Like we, it's an injustice that sticks around. And I think that's part of the reason that it keeps coming up. Like someone got away with hacking up an entire family in a quiet little Iowa town, you know, a farming town. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's one of those cases that I think everybody knows who's a fan of the subject because it was such a horrific thing yeah. and because the, the crime was unpunished.
0: Um, and then back to cryptids, Mothman? Yeah,
1: Mothman. So um, Mothman, where I live here in New England, there's a uh, an Algonquin legend of something called a pomola, which is a, a giant half bird, half man. And, um, and then also there's the notion, uh, especially in the American Southwest, of a thunderbird. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing, like a half man, half bird. And it's called a Thunderbird because the wings are so large that when it flaps, yeah. it sounds like a clap of thunder. And while people may say, like, oh, I don't possibly believe in that. Well, the United States Air Force does, uh, because we've got you may have heard of the Blue Angels, which is actually uh, the the, air, the the F-16s that fly at air shows and things in formation really mm-hmm. tight. Yeah. That's the Navy. The Air Force has its own uh, slightly lesser known uh, famous here. Um, you know, group of F of 16s that fly at air shows, and they are called the Thunderbirds with big Native American Thunderbirds painted underneath those those uh, fighter jets. So, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, with uh, Mothman, uh, people have connected the sighting of this strange creature, which matches the description of the Pomola and the Thunderbird, although this one had glowing red eyes, which is unique anyway. Yeah. But um, People have connected that with the uh, collapse of the bridge in town, which where, where people died. And it's quite possible there's no connection whatsoever. It's just people happen to see this thing and the bridge collapsed. And, mm-hmm. you know, we try to connect the two because we don't, you know, because we're trying to make, make reason out of chaos. Um, I don't know. But it's interesting that, that creatures by that description show up in cultures all over the world that we don't think had any contact with each other um and then someone saw one in quite modern history so um i don't know in in maine uh the state of maine here in the us mount Katahdin, which is the tallest mountain in maine uh that's that's one of the sightings of pomola that's one of the places where they they believe the, the half bird half man you know dwells and that sticks around today too so i you know we don't let go of these old ideas easily and and the skeptic in me asks why right? Unless someone's seeing something, and the story's kept alive by another sighting. You know? And in in West Virginia, they called it Mothman.
0: Cool. Um, So another haunted place that I want to ask about, that again, I know was featured on Ghost Adventures, is the Island of the Dolls.
1: Oh yeah, in Mexico. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's a really weird one, because we don't know really of deaths, per se, on that island, but there's all these creepy dolls that have been uh, brought there. And the thing about a doll, right, is it's a distortion, like any doll ever, right? And, and the other thing, I mean, I've, I've got a daughter, she's, she's 15 now, but like she loved her, her little stuffed animals, you know, as, as a kid or teddy bears mm-hmm. and so on. And I would argue that like she has this one favorite, Paws, this teddy bear named Paws. And she loved him into existence. If if, if she, he wasn't in bed with her when she was young, she couldn't go to sleep. We would have to turn the house upside down to find the damn thing. Paws has had formal dinners with us at the table because he was that important. And she loved him into the existence. I know he's just, you know, uh, fabric and and cotton and so on. But, she, but he means so much more to her. And there are many, we all know there are countless dolls out there that meant a lot to various yeah. children and e- even to us. And then they end up on this island, some of them, where maybe they were loved once. And it's just so creepy. I think it I think what we do is we're connecting to the energy that must have been rubbed off on many of these dolls uh, belonging to so many people. And the fact that they're discarded, like when I see a teddy bear on the side of the highway, my heart breaks. I just Mm -hmm. assume that was some little kids paws who like was messing around and it fell out of the window and dad wouldn't stop to get it. And like, you're going to just cry for the rest of your life. And you look at it's like breaks your heart. Like just, and it's, it's, it's nothing. It's just, it's just fabric and cotton, but yeah. it wasn't nothing to somebody. And I think that's the power of the, you know, Island of the dolls.
0: Um, so I think that sort of covers everything I wanted to talk about today. Um, so the I think the final question I've got, is what's next for you are there any sort of particular projects you're working on at the minute you want to talk about
1: yeah so i'm um i mean i'm i'm working on a well i just finished a new book uh, a christmas book that'll come out uh, next year uh in time for well christmas 2023 it'll come out for in time for this christmas uh it's called the fright before christmas it's about all the various monsters that have uh plagued the holiday for many centuries um i'm excited about that and and i've got my my weekly podcast new england legends where we we explore strange stories in new england everything we cover cryptids and ghosts and hauntings and weird history and roadside oddities and that's been a fun project to work on for for years now still working on new episodes of ghost adventures and uh and i'm starting a new very weird live stream show um soon like this week um it's uh it's it's we're going to be exploring really strange news articles from the past cool. uh like you know like century plus the uh the tagline is these are the, all the headlines you missed probably because you weren't born yet so uh we're going to look at like odd strange news from the from the past
0: cool awesome um i'll try and check that out and keep an eye on that sure. sound, that does sound quite interesting um, yeah, yeah so... it's fun.
1: So, I spent so much time in, in the newspaper archives for ghost adventures mm-hmm. and everything else that I do. I'm just like, there's so much weird. And I just started saving them recently. I'm like, this is crazy. And I'll just save it and then, you know, it, the, it's piling up.
0: Cool. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense to do something with it. And that does sound like a good way of using it. Um, so, yeah, I think that brings us to the end. Unless there's anything else you want to add?
1: No, thanks for having me. It was good to no talk words. to you.
0: Well, yeah, it was great to chat. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining me and I'll catch you later.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Scott.
0: So, once again, a big thank you to Jeff for joining me today. You can check out his podcast, the New England Legends podcast, over on his YouTube channel, which I'll link down below. You can also find Jeff's books over on Amazon, and I'll also put Jeff's social links down below as well. So, once again, a big thank you to Jeff for joining me today. I've been Scott from Tepper's Paranormal, and I'll catch you in the next episode.